But today what I want to do is I just want to bring a quick message to you that the Lord put on my heart for our church uh, as we end this 21-day fast and come into, you know, fully come into another new year. There are just, there's some things that God has been speaking to me, and I've just, I felt led over the last few weeks just to bring these to you as standalone messages rather than a series. And if you have your Bibles and you want to look with me, I'm going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today. We're going to read some scriptures there in Colossians 3 in just a moment. But um, let me just say it was early in the morning on the first day of January that the Lord woke me up and spoke to me about what I'm going to be preaching about today. I was having a dream. This was probably about 6 a.m., 6.30 maybe. I was having a dream that I I felt like was from the Lord, and the details of that dream are not important. It, that, that was just, it was a dream for me, and God was showing me something. But I woke up, and I heard these words in my spirit. I heard, when Christ is your life, when Christ is your life, and I, I heard those words in my spirit, and I was trying to will myself out of that kind of sleep state, you know, that place where you're kind of half awake and half asleep, and I was trying to wake myself up and to really fully understand what I felt like God was saying to me. And I grabbed my phone really quick and I opened up my Bible app and, and I, I knew those words were in the scripture somewhere, but I couldn't recall where they were and I searched for them in the app and Colossians chapter three came up. And as I read what the Bible says in Colossians chapter three, the first three or four verses, I began to connect the dots with what I just dreamed and what God was saying to me in that moment. And what God was doing is he was giving me instruction on how I am called to lead and manage my life and my thoughts throughout this year. And I wanted to share something with you today that I, I hesitate to share because I don't want to be misunderstood. But I, I need to tell you that in, in my heart of hearts, I believe that there are difficult days ahead for the world that we live in. Now, if you know me, you know I'm not a negative Nancy or a doomsday prophet. Nobody likes those guys. That's, that's not who I am. I hope you don't think that of me today. But as I have sought the Lord over the last few weeks, as we've come into this new year, what I sense in my spirit is that we are headed for troubled waters. And I believe we are going to see the depths of what kind of evil mankind is really capable of. And we're going to see it on full display in our world. And I just, church, I think that we should be prepared for that. The Bible talks about that. It talks about not being unaware of the devil's schemes. I don't think we need to live unaware of what's happening in our world. And the truth is, I believe we are living in the last days. I believe we're very, very close to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is Really good news for those of us that are in Christ Jesus and really scary news for those that are living far from him right now. And I know what the scripture says about how those days will be preceding his return. For example, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, he said that those days, in those days, there would be an increase in wickedness that would cause the love of many to grow cold. He said that wickedness and evil would be on the rise in our world. We're seeing that right now. He said that many would turn away from the faith. We're seeing that right now. He described those days, those last days, as days of great distress unequaled since the beginning of time. 
The Apostle Paul echoed these same prophetic warnings in 2 Timothy chapter 3 when he wrote that in the last days perilous times would come. He wrote that the church would have a form of godliness but deny his power. He wrote that in those last days evil men would wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, we are living in a day and an age of great deception. What we have witnessed on a worldwide scale over the last few years has been unprecedented. It's been an unprecedented rise in evil and an evil agenda for humanity that has been born out of darkness itself. And here is the truth. The evil we see in our world right now is going to get worse this year. The darkness we see is going to get darker. The world is going to get crazier if you can believe that. Men will continue to call good evil and evil good. They will declare wrong what we know to be right. All of that is true. All of that is going to happen. But here's what else is true. As the darkness continues to get darker, the light of Jesus Christ is going to burn brighter and brighter. As evil becomes more pervasive in the hearts of men and women, the power of God at work within his true sons and daughters is going to become an unstoppable force for good. God is getting his church ready for our finest hour. This is why you've been put on this planet at this moment. He is raising up an army, not of physical force, but of spiritual force, to confront the evil in this day and tell it to leave in the name of Jesus and push back this darkness to prepare the way of the Lord. These days that we're heading towards, it's not all just doom and gloom. It's also power and glory. Because Jesus also said this in Matthew 24. He didn't just tell us how bad things were going to get at the end. He also said at the end, this gospel is going to be preached. The gospel of the kingdom, the message of Christ himself, it's going to be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then he said, then the end is going to come. The end is not going to come until there is a worldwide revival where every eye has seen and every ear has heard that There is still hope in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It may be dark and perilous times ahead for the world, but for the church of the living God, the times ahead are going to be glorious because it's the time when we're going to see the greatest harvest of souls we've ever seen. And then we're going to see him face to face. And our hope is going to become our reality when we're in heaven with him. Now, here's the thing. Whether or not you see this world around you as a place of doom and gloom and perilous, or you see it as glorious and full of opportunity and blessing, is going to depend on your perspective and how you choose to spend your time in the coming days. And see, that right there, that's what Jesus woke me up to talk to me about on day one of 2023. Because this is something that I struggle with. I see what's going on in our world, and my natural response to it is to get angry about it. I get frustrated. Pastor Mark just preached about this very thing just a few weeks ago, and I was amening him all the way because I get it. I understand. I see what's going on in our world, and I want to do something about it in, by way of a natural response. But listen to me. What's going on in our world is not natural. It is spiritual. And the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. This is spiritual warfare, what we're in right now. 
And you can't fight a spiritual battle in natural means. You've got to fight it with the weapons of the Spirit of God. And as the people of God, we should have a different mindset and a different outlook and a different perspective on everything that's going on in our world right now because God has called us to live above it all. Now, again, I believe that we should be informed citizens. We shouldn't put our heads down in the sand and pretend that this evil that we see in our world isn't real and and it's really not happening and there's really nothing going on like so many in our world are doing right now. We, We can't help others rise above it if we don't know what they're facing and what's going on. But while we are informed, we should not allow ourselves to become become consumed by it all and and just immersed in it. And that's my struggle. I very easily become consumed by everything that I see happening in our world right now. And, and my response in that way, it's not just what's happening on the world stage right now. It's not just what's happening all around us. It's like what's happening in my personal world. This, this past week, you know what? This fast has been wonderful, but I think it was uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. I was struggling so mightily in my heart. It was Wednesday. I felt so much weight because I thought, God, what if, what if it doesn't happen? What, what if you don't come through for us? What if our plans don't come to fruition? What then? And I felt overwhelmed by anxiety and fear in that moment. And this is what I did. I got myself to a keyboard, which is the way I like to connect with God. And I just began to worship the Lord. Not because of what he's done, though he's worthy of worship just because of what he's done, but I was worshiping him for what he's going to do. I was getting ahead of my fear. I was getting ahead of my anxiety, and I was walking into my future with the Holy Spirit, and I was thanking God because he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. Hallelujah. And there's nothing he can't do. And I just got the impression and the sense that there's many of us today, that's where you've been living. You've been living in this place of pressure and fear and anxiety and doubt because of what's happening in your personal world. And God gave me this word at the very beginning of this year, and it was a word of instruction on how we as the people of God are to live our lives in this world, but not be of this world, no matter what happens. And I just want to give this encouragement to you today. Look with me at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to give you three insights from this passage of Scripture, three insights on how we can live above. This is what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, since then... You have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Three insights for how we live above. Here's the first one. From heaven's perspective, things look much different. When we allow ourselves to see things from heaven's perspective, I'm telling you, things on this earth, they look much different. In the Greek of verse 1, where it says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. In the Greek, I want you to know that the wording is written differently there than what's in the NIV where it says, set your hearts on things above. In the, in the original language, it actually says right there, to strive for the things that are above or to set your sights on the things above. And so you need to know that there are things happening on the earth and there are things happening in heaven at the same time. 
And as kingdom citizens, people who have been raised with Christ through his death and resurrection, we are not limited to just what we see down here. We have been invited to take a different perspective. We've been invited into heavenly places, and we've become privileged as sons and daughters of God to see our world from heaven's vantage point. And when we see the earth from heaven's perspective, we see things much differently. I was here doing some work at the church yesterday, and I got home, and I pulled into my driveway, and the first thing I saw was a ladder. And I knew there's something Carmen wants me to do, right? And uh, sure enough, I, you know, I get out of my car, and she's like, hey, real quick, can you change this light bulb? And it, you know, this light bulb is way up here. It's an outside light. And I was like, you know, our ladder's really not that high, um, you know, but I'll, I'll give it the old college try. And, you know, here's the thing. I used to have no problem with ladders, but I fell off of one last year. Some of you were here, and you witnessed that. It was here at the church. And, uh, you know, I, it's just not the same getting up on that ladder now. It's just not the same. Sometimes I've, I've got a handkerchief in my pocket. My God, we're going to have church today. Lord, I didn't even know that was in there. Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Let's take a 20-second praise break. No, I'm just... <laughs> Surprise me. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm getting up on this ladder, and I'm scared to death. And I get up there, and, and I realize I'm trying to do it from, like, the third step from the top, and I, I'm not, I, I can't reach it. I'm not tall enough. So I've got to get all the way on top of this ladder. The last step, and I'm up there, and I'm, like, you know, barely reaching it. And, and I look down, and the thought hit me, boy, things look a lot different from up here than they do down here. It's very different, you know, me, me looking at my driveway, in my yard, in my garage, you know, from the street level versus from up here, you know, and I was just kind of overcome by what I saw, and, and so I just kind of like, was like, um, Carmen, would you hold the ladder? And she was like, hold on, I want to do that. I was like, no, 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 come hold the ladder, because this is the danger zone when you're on the top, you know, getting down, that's where you've got to be like, <laughs> right, that weight shift, that's where it gets you. So everything's fine. I didn't break a hip. I'm good. All good there. But I was just blown away by, by the perspective difference, just like maybe six feet up. How different. <laughs> yeah, it was just a six-foot ladder. I know I made it sound like it was higher, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but look, when we, we all have this option. We all have this opportunity. We've been invited to see our world from a different place, from a different perspective. We can see things around us in light of an eternal perspective. And when we see them from that higher place, it changes the way that the things around us affect us emotionally or spiritually. And I think it's just so easy for us to get wrapped up in the things of the world. You know, just what we see down here. We see challenges. We see giants, uh, you know, theoretical giants. We, we, see, we, we see things that threaten our peace. But again, in the original language, the idea that Paul is trying to convey is that we are to strive for the things of heaven and not strive for the things that are down here below, the things of the earth. And I started thinking about this, that this week, and I was thinking about how hatred and bigotry may rule the day down here, but they're not ruling right now in heaven. 
Jealousy and anger may be taking over the hearts of mankind down here, but they're not controlling anybody up in heaven right now. There is a completely different culture governing the atmosphere up there than what is governing the atmosphere down here. And the Bible tells me that I can strive for what is up there and what rules in heaven. And when I strive for what's happening in heaven, watch this. What's happening in heaven becomes my reality even while I'm on the earth. That's why Jesus prayed like he did in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Bless God. This world and the systems of this world are corrupt and they're corruptible. And unfortunately, the church in, in the last several years, many years, we've fallen under the delusions of this age right along with everybody else. We've believed the lies of the enemy that the systems of this world are somehow built to be righteous and good and to save. They are not. The Bible says that God was pleased to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's what the gospel is. It is utter foolishness to the unbeliever. But to those who have received him, it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. The Bible says that the wisdom of this world and everything of the world is perishing. Right now, it's being exposed for the inadequate farce that it's always been. Hebrews chapter 12 speaks of a time that is coming when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And it says that the only thing that will remain after this shaking happens is that very thing that cannot be shaken. And then the Bible says, so let us rejoice because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the coming days, we're going to see the kingdoms of this earth shaken like never before. And we're going to see with our own eyes how unstable all of this has always been. We're going to see the systems of this world, the things that it all operates on crumble and fall before our very eyes. I don't know when these things are going to happen, but I know they're going to happen one day soon because Jesus told us they would. The economic systems of this world are going to be shaken and they're going to collapse. The news and information systems that we've placed our trust in to be accurate and honest with us, they are being shaken right now before our very eyes. Our systems of government themselves are being shaken. They've al it's already started. And listen, if you have tied yourself, your hopes and your dreams and your stability to the strength of a worldly system, as long as it's standing, great. But the day that that shaking starts and it begin, begins to fall apart, if you have tied yourself to it, you're going to fall along with it. If you've tied your hopes to it, when the shaking begins, you're going to be shaken with it. You cannot put your hope in the things of this world. We've gotten too comfortable in this country, and we've forgotten that God is our help. God is our strength, the maker of heaven and earth. He is the one that will sustain us. It's not our government. It's not our military as great as they are. It is the hand of God that will be on us, and the day that the hand of God lifts, on, lifts off of us will be a day that we are reminded that we're not walking in his blessing anymore. It's not the strength of the world that we can depend on. The Bible tells me in Psalms chapter 16, verse 8, that the one who keeps his eyes on the Lord, the Lord will never leave his side and he will never be shaken. Scripture says that those who hope in the Lord will never be put to shame. It says some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. In Psalms chapter 94, verse 18, David said, my foot almost slipped. 
But it was your unfailing love, O Lord, that upheld me and sustained me. Every system that this world has created is going to fail one day. But I'll tell you what will never fail. It's the love of God in your life. It is a stabilizing force. When everything around you begins to crumble and fall at your feet, you don't have to fear because he will keep you and abide in you in his love. He will keep you standing strong forever. That's the love of our God. There's an old song that we used to sing that said, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. And I want to tell you something. If the only thing you've got left when everything in the world is shaken is the name of Jesus, you've got something worth more than all the riches of the world combined. He is our living hope. Literally, the hope that we have in Jesus will not ever die. It's in his name that we put our trust and we find our strength, no matter what's happening in our world. And I want you to look at Colossians 3 and 1 again. Look at verse 1 with me. When we strive for the things that are above, as the Scripture says, when we set our sights on what is up there instead of what's down here, what happens? When we look up that way, this is what happens. We see Christ, who is the stabilizing force of our lives. We see him sitting at the right hand of God. Why is he sitting at the right hand of God? Because when you see him, he wants you to be reminded that he is still king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is sitting on his throne. And he is not in any way, shape, or form threatened by the events and the happenings on the earth right now. There is nothing man can do to challenge or threaten his sovereignty. And when you look up and you see him firmly established in his throne at the right hand of God, then what you see is that God is also stabilizing you. That if he's unmoved, you can be unmoved. You know why? Because you are in Christ Jesus and he is in you. And if he's not wringing his hands over what's happening in the world, then you and I don't have to wring our hands either. We've got confidence and hope that this world knows nothing about because our hope is in Jesus Christ and he's still sitting at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. I have confidence today because of, not because of what the world has given me, but because of what God has done in me and what he's promised me and what I have in relationship with Jesus Christ. You can set your sights above, and that's not all. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. I love this. Paul takes it a step further in Ephesians 2, 6. He says, and God raised us up with Christ. And watch this. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So when you set your sights above, you realize that not only is Christ up there sitting in heavenly places, unmoved on his throne, but you find out that God has raised you and I up as well, and we are also seated in heavenly places too. What was Paul saying? He was saying, I'm already there. Listen, you cannot kill a man that's already dead. He said, I've already died. I'm already there. I'm already in heaven. And for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you kill me, you're doing me a favor because I'm already there. I've got, I've got, I've got too much uh, for me to be concerned about what's happening in this world because I've already got heaven on my mind because I'm already there. Eternal things, that's where we're living. And that leads me to the second insight from the scripture that I want to give you today. Insights for living above in 2023. Here's the second one. I can protect my mind and manage my thoughts. I can protect my mind and manage my thoughts. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 
So you don't just set your sights on things above. You also set your minds on what's above too. You bring your thinking into conformity with the thoughts of heaven for you, and you break out of the conformity of thinking that this world has set as a pattern for you. This is what the scripture is talking about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind. That's where the transformation happens. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. You know, this was actually the, the first, this was the theme of the first message that Jesus preached on the earth according to the Gospel of Matthew. After he was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and the Bible tells us he was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness while he was fasting. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, and this was his message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. That word repent in the Greek is the word metanoia. Metanoia simply means to think differently. So as Jesus was preaching the kingdom, as he was revealing the kingdom of heaven come near to you, his invitation to the people was think differently because there's a different reality invading your world right now. You've been living in this world of what you see, but there's a world you don't see invading your space right now. It's the kingdom of heaven. And so his invitation to receive that kingdom is to change the way that you're thinking, break out of conformity to the patterns of thinking that you've learned by following the ways of this world or religion or any other corrupted system that's unable to save and start thinking according to the kingdom that you are now receiving. And let me just tell you, I received a strong rebuke from the Lord on the first day of this new year to do a better job of protecting my mind and manage my thinking. You know, you can't control sometimes what thoughts randomly enter your mind. You know what I'm talking about? You're just sitting there minding your own business and all of a sudden it's like, where did that come from? It's like, wow. But you can control what you choose to ponder. You can control what you choose to take time and search out and investigate. You can control what you allow to stay there and occupy space in your thinking day after day after day. All of that is within your control. And this is important because our minds are where so many of us struggle. What we've done is we've allowed the enemy to establish a foothold in our minds that he has no right to establish in our lives. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we're warned in the scripture about giving the devil a foothold. Well, let me tell you what sets that up, what sets up that foothold. And just a couple of verses before that one, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, this is what the scripture says. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. In other words, this is not a suggestion. He is insisting on this in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. How does the devil get a foothold in your life? It happens in your thoughts first. He comes and he fills this place that you're not managing well and you're not protecting. And he takes, he takes that space and he begins to fill it and occupy that space with the thoughts that are not from heaven. And if you're not careful, that foothold will turn into a stronghold. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, the scripture clearly told us to set our sights on things above. And then in verse two, we're told to set our minds above as well. Watch this. We set our sights above before we set our minds above because what we see determines the way we think. I'm reading a book right now 
called Renovation of the Heart by a guy named Dallas Willard. And I'm reading this book so slowly. It's a book about spiritual formation. And I'm reading this book so slowly because it reminds me of something I would have read back in the day in college or something. Like it's, it's so deep. Every sentence, I'm having to like reread it. And I'm like, Lord, help me to understand this. This guy is way beyond me right now, you know. So I'm reading it so slowly, but I'm hanging in there. And I was reading about the spiritual transformation process that happens in our thinking the other day when we conform our minds to the mind of Christ. And what I read was very enlightening as it relates to this message because it backs up what the scripture says. The author makes the case that our thought life is determined by four main factors. Those four factors are ideas, images, information, and our ability to think and process all of it together. But watch this. He says the most dominant factor that that determines our thought life is images. What we see more than anything else, what we see in our mind's eye impacts our thinking patterns. That's why before the scripture tells us to set our minds on things above, it tells us to set our sights on things above. Listen, some of you, you need to start every single morning in prayer and get an image of Jesus Christ on his throne at the right hand of God, the Father, before you think about anything else. Because the fact that he's still seated at the right hand and he's still King of kings and Lord of lords, it changes the way everything else gets processed and filtered through our minds. We worry about things as if Jesus has lost control up there. We, we respond to life and the things that we face as if Jesus never promised that he's someone that would never leave us nor forsake us. We think through the struggles and challenges of life as if God never said to us that he'll work all things out for our good and that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. We need to take the first few minutes of our day and we need to set our sights and our hearts on him and then force our thinking to flow from that place above where the throne of God is and not from where the problems exist. Think about how different your prayer life would be if instead of you coming to the throne of God and bringing your problems with you, you came to your problems bringing the power and the authority of the throne of God to where they are. Hallelujah. Scripture says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You and I have that ability. We've got the ability to control our thinking patterns. We've got the ability to protect our minds from the attacks of the enemy and what we see happening all around us in our culture. I'm giving you three quick insights from the scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, that I think help us navigate this troubled world we're living in. And here's the last one. As you look at him and you set your minds on things above, you realize that what's happening down here, this is not all there is. Glory is coming. This is not all there is. Glory is coming. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 with me. Again, the scripture says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I could preach a whole message on this one sentence alone. I'm not going to do that today, so just, you know, calm down. But I do just want to point a couple of things out real quick. 
that, that statement for you died and now your life is hidden with Christ in God, that simply means that when, Christ, when, when God raised you up with Christ, listen, you cannot be raised with Christ until you first die to self. You understand that? That's, that's what baptism is. It is a symbolic thing that you are dying to self and you're being raised again in new life in Christ Jesus. So you can't be raised with Christ until you first die to self. And so when you've been raised with him and now you've got your sights on where he is and, and you're striving for the things that are up there and not the things down here and your thinking is based on what's going on up there and not on what's going on down here. When all of that is the case, watch this, when people see you, they really don't see you. What they see is the Jesus living in you because you're dead. You have died to self and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, verses 1 and 2 of Colossians 3 are about ministering to yourself, but verse 3 is about ministering to others. And in order for that step to happen, you've got to become a partner and an extension of the ministry of Jesus on the earth. For that to happen, you've got to let yourself die so that people will no longer see you. What they'll see is Christ in you. Watch this. He is the hope for the hopeless, not you. He is the healing for the hurting, not you. He wants to use your hands and feet. He wants to use you to minister to others. But Jesus, who does this work in you so he can do this work through you, he is going to get all the glory for it. Okay, He, he will not be able to do the work or get the glory if you insist on standing in his way. So we are hidden with Christ in God, some of you this year, you need to start to delight and take pleasure in being hidden with Christ in God so that God can do more through you. He does a great work in you so he can do a great work through you so he can get great glory from you. Now look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, and this was the word that God spoke to me that first morning, January 1st. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Hide yourself in him right now. But there's a day coming when you and I won't be hidden any longer because when he comes in glory, we're coming with him. We're coming with him in glory. And the Lord woke me up early on January 1st to speak this word to me. Brian, Christ is your life. Now watch this. He doesn't desire just to be a part of it. He does not want to just be a consideration somewhere in it. He wants to be all of it, top to bottom, side to side, and everything in between. He wants to be my whole life. Like John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus coming, and his disciples were like, John, what do you think about Jesus? And he looked his way, and he said, I must decrease so that he can increase that should be the goal of every single one of our lives. The more hidden we get in him, the more glory he gets from our lives. And when you look at that on the face of things, it sounds so extreme that he wants all of it, not just a part of it, not just the back burner, not even the front burner. He wants all the burners. That's going to be my house tomorrow, every burner. It's going to have food on it for the glory of God. The feast day is coming. I could write a song about it right now. It sounds extreme, but watch this. That is actually what the gospel says. That is the message of the gospel. I want the band to come up and prepare to play, but think about what Jesus said when he called the disciples. 
He told them, leave your nets behind and follow me. What does that mean? Everything that you've built your life on, your livelihood, what you're good at, leave it there and follow me. Because I've got something that's going to give greater glory. And it's not that you're going to be a fisherman anymore. It's going to be that you're going to become a fisher of men. Hear what Jesus said when he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves. Die. They must lay their life down. They must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. You've got to commit to living a life that is hidden in me if you want to walk with me. you got to get out of the way so that the way and the truth and the life can get the glory through you. What I've been repeating to myself over the last year, because God has been, God has been calling me and stirring in me to do something more for his kingdom than I've ever done, and it's more than I ever dreamed or imagined I would do, but I know it's the Lord, and I, I just feel like he's, he's got me in a process where he's positioning me and, and, and by virtue that, of the fact that I'm your pastor, he's p- positioning us as a church to do more for his kingdom. And what I've told myself over and over and over again when I think about these things and how difficult it might be for, for me to do the things that God is putting in my heart to do and how uncomfortable it might make me feel, I remind myself that this is the gig. This is what I'm here to do. I'm not here to build my own wealth. I'm not here to build my own kingdom. I'm here to build up the kingdom of God. I'm here to deflect all the glory and all the praise to the, the only one who's worthy of it, Jesus. That's what I'm on this earth to do. And when you resign yourself to the fact that Jesus wants to get the glory through you and from you, and you dedicate your whole life to achieving that end, God releases so much blessing into your life. You know why? Because he knows he can trust you with it. Because he knows the way you're going to handle this is going to be in an honoring way. And you're not going to take the glory for yourself. You're going to give it all to him. And when you live your life that way, he'll just keep piling more and more and more blessing into you because you've proven faithful with the little thing. So he's going to make you ruler over much. That's the way God does it. Everything I am, all my hopes and dreams, all I want, all I need, he is my everything. He is my very life. And everything that I'm doing for him this year, it's all going to be for him and for the rest of my life. Now, here's my question for you. What about you? Where are you when it comes to these things? Are you still kind of fighting with God for creative control of your life? Or are you resigned to be hidden with Christ in God? Dead to yourself, but alive fully in Christ Jesus. I want you to stand with me all across the room. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I just want you to begin to think through that question. Where are you today? What is your life about? Paul said, when Christ, who is your life, appears, is he your life? Or are you keeping him at arm's distance? Is he a consideration for you? Or is he your all in all? Is he your everything? I believe that this is the place that God wanted to bring us today. And this is the, the, 
the response that I feel like God is, is drawing us to. It's, it's to heed the words of Jesus in that first message that he preached on the earth in Matthew chapter 4. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is drawing near. Change your way of thinking. If you've been keeping Jesus out of your life, this is the day of salvation, the Bible says. This is the day you invite him in. If you've been scared about what would happen in your life once you invite Jesus in, this is the day that all of that fear goes away and you say, God, I'm all in with you. I'm leaving my nets behind, whatever that means for me, whatever it looks like, I am following you. If you need to invite him into your heart, this is the moment to do it right now. You can do that right now. The Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says that if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you of your unrighteousness. That's what being saved means. And quite literally, that's what leaving your nets behind means. It's the things that you've been carrying, the things that you've been involved with, the way that you've been living your life. You leave it behind to follow after Jesus. His invitation for you to do that is happening right now. And all you've got to do is say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to make you my Lord and Savior. Wherever you go, I'm going to go because I'm your disciple. I'm following you. I'm all in with Jesus right now. And if you need to say that prayer, if you need to invite him into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, just do that right now. Just ask him and just say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my need for you. I acknowledge that you are my Savior and Lord. You are the Son of God. You died on a cross to save me from my sins, but you didn't stay in a grave. You rose again on the third day, and you've given me power to overcome in this life, and you've given me eternal life. And I receive it now in the name of Jesus. I receive salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I just, my heart is bearing witness right now with the Spirit of God that somebody in this place has just decided to follow Jesus. I want to tell you something. The Bible says you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new is here. There is a new and vibrant life that God has for you up ahead. There is nothing in your past worth going back for. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Others of us today, listen, I'm just going to be real and honest. Some of you, you've just, you've made Jesus, you're saved, but you've just, you've made him a consideration in your life. When it's convenient for you, you follow along with him. But when it's inconvenient, you choose to stay where you've been. God is calling you out of that place today. And he's calling you to walk in step with him. The Bible says, when you walk in the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I think this year, God is calling you to walk differently than you ever have before. He's calling you to walk in faithfulness with Jesus. And you need to pray a prayer of commitment right now. That, Lord, wherever you go, I'm going with you. I'm not going to fight against you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you, Lord, because I know everything that you've got for me is for my good. As the band leads us in this song, I want to invite you just to pray through that right now. If that's where you are, and you know Jesus He's been a consideration in your life. He's been a part of it, but he hasn't been all of it. The Bible says when he returns, you will return with him in glory. That's our hope. That's, that's the day we're living for. But right now, we live in him. We live in, in him. We live and move and have our being. He is our everything. Some of you, you just need to pray that prayer of commitment right now as the band leads us. Come on, let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.